this is indeed the day the Lord has made. I am determined to rejoice and be glad in it. And you do the same. First of all, I want to give all the glory to God for this great opportunity. And I want to especially thank the uh, head of this church and the senior leadership of the church for yet another opportunity. Um, I am going to just speak from the heart today. Is that all right? <laughs> Before I go into this brief message, and by the way, this message is for everybody. I will tell you why in a moment. I had a great opportunity some years ago to go on a mission trip to a West African country I had not been to before. Now, if I say something like that, you will think this is uh, an international superstar being invited to different countries. No, no, no. My senior pastor of the church I was part of was invited, and he just asked me to tag along. Not that anybody there knew me. I was just glad to be a part of the team. What I saw there was truly fascinating. Their Sunday morning service, please give me the time on the clock so I don't run over. Their Sunday morning service lasted four to five hours. Wow. The praise and worship alone was more than one and a half hours. Thanksgiving was more than one and a half hours. 3,000 people, everyone had to dance out from their seat to the altar. You were told when the service will start, you were never told when it will end. I love it. And after the morning service, people didn't bother to go home. They stayed on for another three-hour evening service. On Monday, all the women came back to the church. On Tuesday, all the men came back. On Wednesday, everybody came back. Friday, everybody came back. People in the prayer group fasted the weekend. People in the evangelism group hit the street evangelizing. We talk about dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. In that place, they actually practice it. So, this was a great um, conference. All the churches in the area gathered, it was like heaven. And little me, I was asked to teach some afternoons. You had to flow in the spirit. The first day, I taught on worship. Both the teacher and the listeners were all crying and laughing at the same time. Okay, second day, they also asked me to teach. I was praying, God, help me. These are holy folks. I'm telling you folks that knew half of the Old Testament by heart and all of the New Testament by heart. What will you tell them? These are guys that fasted 21 days every month. <laughs> so, so I was really intimidated. What are you going to tell folks like this? So in the middle of the teaching, it's as if I change the topic. In that assembly, when you come to church with your wife, the women will sit on one side of the church, the men will sit on the other side. 
So I started teaching. I was praying and teaching and praying and teaching. In the middle of the teaching, I stopped. It's as if this is a new topic. I asked the men, I'm an equal opportunity preacher. I hit the men. I also turned around and hit the women. I took the men first. I asked them, when was the last time you sat on a seat and your wife laid down by your side with her head on your laps and with the left hand you stroked her hair and with the right hand you showed her you loved her? That was the same response I got then. <laughs> Before this question, some people were sitting with their hand on their chin, taking in every word. Immediately I asked that question, everybody sat up. They must have said, what are we hearing? Are we supposed to be talking about things like this in the church? <laughs> Stroking somebody's hair? and making them know that you love them, it was first of all a shock. I did not allow the look on their faces to intimidate me. I kept praying and teaching, praying and teaching. I was logical, I was biblical, I was factual, point after point, precept upon precept, So after they moved from shock, they actually realized that what this guy is saying makes a lot of sense. Amen. Then they warmed up to the idea, in that part of the world, you could be asked to preach for one and a half hours. When you start to sound like you're rounding up, somebody will bring you a piece of paper. They'll just come and give you the piece of paper. And the piece of paper will say, please, sir, continue for as long as you want. <laughs> that is not a good thing to tell some pastors. So when I started to round up, nobody brought me a piece of paper. But I still continued to round up. I was given some time, and I like to think I'm disciplined. So when I actually rounded up, it was as if it was rehearsed. A number of women on the women's side yelled out, please continue, sir. <laughs> so I realized that there was something we were not dealing with enough in the body of Christ. You can preach about the 10 unfulfilled prophecies for end time. You can preach about how to win the whole world to the Lord. And these are very, very important subjects. But this morning, I was asked to speak on marriage. Marriage is too broad a subject for a few minutes. I am going to, by the grace of the Lord, talk about romance and show of affection in marriage. It's too quiet here, sir. <laughs> Let me say that again. This morning, I am going to talk about romance 
and show of affection in marriage. Are you with me? You cannot look at marriage, especially from God's perspective, without seeing a loving and merciful God. When you look at the design and the concept of marriage in itself, you have to go back to the beginning in Genesis. I believe that Adam was a very hard-working guy. God created everything in the Garden of Eden. Adam, single-handedly, managed that humongous garden. Everything God created, Scripture in Genesis tells us, God presented them to Adam to see what he will name them. And whatever he called them, that was their name till today. It's taking thousands and thousands of biologists to characterize all the animals we know about. That was something Adam did single-handedly. So the guy was busy. The guy was hardworking. But at the end of the day, in that tropical heat, Adam was alone. Let me ask something. He was miserable. There was a time my wife left me and went home for more than two months. I almost fell apart. I almost disintegrated. Listen, she cooked and filled two freezers and one double-door fridge with food. Half of that food was still there when she came back. I had lost appetite. The day was too long. The night was miserable. I did not know how long I could last in that condition. Anybody been there before? Yes. So God did something. I will get to the message. He said, please stay with me. So scripture says, all the things that God created before, he gathered mud, dirt from the ground, and molded them. Even Adam was molded out of rubbish dots. But God put his breath in him, and he became a living soul. But God came down one day and saw this miserable man. Hard-working, but miserable. Hard-working, but lonely. He said, this is not good. So God was going to do something spectacular. He did not take mud from the ground. What he was creating was too good for mud from the ground. Okay, listen, when you want to perform a complex surgery, you put the guy to sleep. There are two reasons for that. You don't want that guy to feel pain. Number two, you don't want any input from him. If you were operating on me without putting me to sleep, I would be asking you, doctor, are you sure that thing you're cutting is the right thing you should be cutting? I think you're cutting too deep. Deeper than, I will be giving him direction and instruction because I think I know. 
So God didn't want any of that from Adam. So he put him to a deep sleep. And when he finished this creation he was doing, he, he handcrafted this thing. He took his time. You know, when you read verses of scripture, you can go from verse 1 to verse 2, but in between verse 1 and verse 2 might be 200 years. I don't know how, it took, how long it took him to handcraft this thing. Please give me Genesis. Let's see God's own description. Genesis chapter 2, 18 to 25. For time, I'm just going to summarize. I will make him a helper, meet, suitable, adapted, complementary. I will make him somebody that will complete him. This guy is miserable. Go on to the next verse. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed everything else, but for this thing he was creating, he needed a special material, one that had not touched the ground before. And the last verse of that passage, this is familiar scripture. And the, ma oh, 24, let's do 24. Therefore, a man shall leave the father and his mother and shall cleave unto this thing. Yes. Last one, last one. And the man and his wife were both naked. I'm sorry, I mentioned this word in church. <laughs> How did God create this beautiful thing that Adam had not seen before and presented her to Adam naked? Don't worry about water. I am so excited, I'm kicking down the bottle. So, brethren, what I'm talking about today is you have been doing a great job. But I am here this afternoon to challenge us to do a little bit more. God has given us a special, special, handcrafted, awesomely beautiful person to look after. I'm talking as a man now. Amen. I thought I would have gotten amen from all the ladies. Amen. I know you started well. <clears throat> I have been preaching this thing to myself again and again, again and again. You know, it's almost like I sleep, I wake up, I'm thinking about romance and show of affection. This morning my wife asked me, what are you looking at? Listen, I looked at her, and I saw a new person. It's as if I had not seen her before. Remember, this is 41 years we've been married. Because I've been preaching and advising myself and encouraging myself, she looked ultra, ultra beautiful. <laughs> Beware of the foxes. You know how you started? If I, when we started, if I was in a hall with 200 ladies, they were all laughing. I was able to pick out my wife's own particular laughter from the midst of 200 women. Everything about her was awesome. 
Those days, we did not send text messages or call people on the phone. We wrote regular letters by hand. Anytime I got her letter, it was I read it 51 times. Remember, these were Scripture Union kids. We, we didn't really write a whole lot, but I didn't care about the Bible verses she was quoting everywhere. I just wanted to pick out, you are the only game in town for me, and that was my day of celebration. So what changed? What has changed? Some people here have been blessed to be married a whole long time. Remember the fire and the fervency of those days. We used to own a bakery many, many years ago. Before we made bread, we fired that oven to almost 300, 400 degrees centigrade. Then you leave the fire, after you finish making the bread, the ash that was left behind was so cold, you would never imagine that it came from that 400 degree oven. Any fire you do not keep trimming and keep looking after and keep putting new wood in it, is going to grow cold like cold ash. There is no reason marriage is going to be different. If you leave a house unattended, that house is going to depreciate. Things will start falling apart on their own. You can never leave a house unattended and that house will become more and more beautiful with time. Things have a way of breaking down when they are not attended. For Adam, or for these guys, well, the place I went to was Freetown, Syria alone. They were working 60 hours a week. They were in the church. What is it that is standing between you and looking after your loved one? It could be work. Work is very good. And whenever work calls, you are there. Even when your employer says, go home now, it's vacation, you are still working. If that work is standing between you and looking after this handcrafted thing that God blessed you with, there is something wrong. Being busy is good. Do you see how some people are so thrilled when they are telling you how busy they are? I don't care. The question is this, when last did you pay unique attention to your loved one? You can be, be, be as busy as Adam, but you might still be miserable, and worse still, she might still be miserable. Taking somebody for granted happens sometimes unconsciously. Before you started, it was like, Nothing was higher on your priority list. But now that you've been together for some 20 years, without knowing it, many people gradually start taking somebody for granted. Don't do it. Are you still with me? Yes. There's a program that was on television some time ago. It was called something like dumb things that children say. Anybody saw it? 
Until children learn it, they don't know how to tell lies. They'll just tell you the truth as simply as they understand it. What if we ask your children, on a scale of one to 10, how much do you think your parents love one another? They might just say, mm, 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 I don't know. Why do you say you don't know? I never see them doing anything. When you love people, you play with them, you hug them, you kiss them. I never see daddy and mommy doing anything. Sometimes they are in the room sitting together and nothing is going on. What message is your relationship sending to the younger generation? Maybe, maybe some people have become so super holy that they don't think that romance and show of affection is important. It's important to God. And if you ask your wife, she will tell you, you know, simply this, Pastor, what women are looking for is really very simple, small things. I talk about my wife all the time. Sometimes she is cooking, baking, grilling, browning. There are so many things you can do with food. Women, we don't care. We just say, is the food cooked? Boom. And all that makes her there is to just to go up and hold her on the love handles and say, well done. Now somebody is thinking, which one again is love handle? <laughs> if you don't know on your way home today, ask your wife, she will tell you. <laughs> what women are looking for is very simple stuff. If you told a man, you look great today. Just once is enough. But the lady needs to hear it again and again. I told you you were beautiful yesterday. You haven't changed, so that should still carry on. No, she wants to hear it today and tomorrow and the next day and so on. What if we left the children in their survey and asked your wife to describe a time she remembers very fondly. If she is going back 20 years ago during the one-week honeymoon she had 20 years ago, there is something missing between that time and now. So it looks like I'm hitting the men more often. Let me switch gear now. Are the men in the house? Let me give some tips to the women as well. Please, I'm going somewhere. We'll also soon be done. Let me give some tips to the women. You know, a woman can make herself truly, irresistibly lovely. Don't be a crocodile. A crocodile is pointed at both ends. At the front end, the mouth is sharp. <coughs> Oh, lady, you look lovely today. Hang, hang, hang. What do you mean by today? Does it mean I didn't look lovely tomorrow? Hang, 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 hang. That is called the crocodile effect. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh my dear. I brought you some flowers today. Hang, 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 hang. Where did you go? Why are you buying me flowers? Hang, 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 hang. All the time. 
you leave the front end and you go to the back end, you know the crocodile can slap you both ways with left and right. So a crocodile is a double barrel attacker. To the front, to the back. Make yourself truly, truly, irresistibly lovely. It, it, let me tell you, many people are of African background here, and there is something that I've had many times that Africans don't know how to show love. On some of these game shows, sometimes they ask, which country presents the most loving and caring men and they will call Spain, France, uh, Italy, Switzerland. Have you ever had anybody mention Nigeria or Syria alone? Or Ghana? I want to give you a challenge, men. Prove all those surveys to be wrong. Let me tell you something from scripture. You know when God fed the children of Israel in the wilderness, he sent them food that dropped from the sky. And they said, manna, what in the world is this? When God presented Eve to Adam, Adam did not ask, what is this? There is something already in man that can recognize what is in woman. He did not need to ask, what is this? Instead, he broke into a philosophic song. I don't know if it was a song or a, 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 a poem. Bone of my bone. What does that really mean? Are you saying bone from my bone or bone like my bone? It doesn't matter when you're in love. It doesn't matter what you say. You can talk nonsense as you want. All that the lady wants to know is to show her love and affection. So there is something in you, whether you are American or African or American-African, you have the capacity to express love. But is it in your timetable? Is it in your agenda at all? Or maybe you are too holy? Let me give you another tip. I'm almost done. Women are speaking. In Freetown City alone, it looked like I had touched something that many of them wanted to talk about, but nobody dared begin it in church. We are too holy here. You can't talk about romance in church. And that is why some of our children are saying, I'm never going to get married. I'm not seeing anything fascinating and uh, uh, attractive in it. And many of them have not really seen what this whole thing is all about. There's a book I'm going to refer to, last scripture, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, 5 and 6. Please stay with me. The Shunammite woman was speaking to Solomon in this poem. He says, sustain me with raisins. Sometimes your wife might ask you, give me some orange juice or apple juice or something. She's not really thirsty. She wants you to do something, right? Listen to the woman. Men and women don't speak the same language sometimes. We come from different planets, right? But if you listen attentively, 
you will get the message. Follow me. He says, Solomon, refresh me with apple. She is going somewhere. Solomon, I don't know if he was pretending he didn't understand this language. The lady still continued. For I am sick. Solomon must have asked, should I call the doctor? She said, no, silly. It's not that kind of sickness, you fool. Okay, if you are sick, do you want me to get some medicine for you? He said, no. The kind of sickness I have is I'm sick with love. Next verse, please. I call, I can feel his left hand. There's a translation that says, I'm saying, Solomon must have asked, okay, if you are sick with love, what do you want me to do? And the woman went on in this verse. He says, put your left hand under my head. Put your left hand under my head and use your right hand. That was exactly the same question I asked him in Freetown. How long, how often do you just sit down? Don't worry about being in church for 60 hours a week. How much time, quality time, do you actually spend with that special one that God gave you? <laughs> Let me bring this closer to the end. Here at WorkFan, we want to address every aspect of the family. The word of God, your finances, your relationship. We want to make sure that you are filled, lacking in nothing. And we are beginning another grace group. This time is different. We are starting a fellowship that we are calling Marriage 247. Yes, clap some more, clap some more. You see, for iron to sharpen iron, the two pieces of iron must come together and interact. Yes. Many, many people think that what they are going through in their marriage is so unique to them. No, 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 it's not unique. Every other person has gone through or is going through it. We need a forum where we can encourage one another, not in a condemning manner, but we can encourage one another to show more love and affection to our spouses. We are not meeting every week. It's not a prayer group. We will pray, but it's not a Bible study group. We will study the scripture. We are going to create enticing, stimulating programs that will build up that fire so that the pieces of wood do not begin to fall apart and the fire will go down. Listen, there are people that God has anointed. If they preach to you on witnessing, you will go out on the street now and start witnessing for Christ. If they preach to you on healing, you want to go to the hospital and close the hospitals down with miraculous healing. There are people that have also been gifted to encourage and stimulate a vibrant relationship between couples. We are going to invite such people. And some of those people are within us here. 
This marriage 247 is going to meet only once in two months. Once in two months. And then we give you assignments. When we gather, it's not somebody teaching everybody. It's iron sharpening iron. If we want to go on a shopping spree, we get a bus and go shop together and spend money together. If we need to watch a movie, whatever we are doing, we will gather together and determine what helps us grow. If you like, my brethren, win the whole world to Christ if you neglect your spouse at home. You've not done a great job. There are some people that are highly respected when they are outside. They smile and they interact with people when they are outside. There are some ladies, the only hug they get is, how are you, my sister? Welcome to church. Once they leave the church, there is no more hug. There is no more show of affection. Nobody holds their hand anymore. We don't want that to happen in the body of Christ. Let me close with this. If you, <laughs> if you are an A++++ student in this area of romance and show of affection, Marriage 247 needs to hear from you. If you need to raise your grade a little bit and show more in that department, Marriage 247 needs you. We are not condemning you. We are not telling you. We are not getting into your private business. It is an important area, so important that it was important to God. So at WorkFan, we are going to take our relationship, especially between our couples, more seriously. Listen, anytime before you preach the word of God from this pulpit, that word has gone through you a zillion times. I forgot to give you a disclaimer at the beginning. What I'm telling you today are things I have experienced in 41 years of marriage. There are many things I've told you now that are in my list, to-do list, that I'm still working on, still studying, still trying. Even after 41 years, I'm still trying. So please, wherever you are, encourage one another and don't have a crocodile spirit. <laughs> Very lastly, I need you, you cannot get anywhere until you make a determination that you're going there. Amen. I am encouraging you today, right from today. You know, some time ago, I spoke, to, I spoke on investment. And some people say, yeah, it's a very good thing to do, but I'm not ready yet. This one I'm talking about today, you are ready right from now. Amen. Take on a task today, starting today. Do you have a romance budget? If your car breaks down today, you will fix it tomorrow. It will cost you $290. You will pay it even if you don't have it. You will find a way to do it. When last did you take your 
spouse out. It doesn't need to be a five-star hotel. It doesn't need to fly four hours just to the next door place. As long as you get her out of the house, she is not cooking, she's not doing laundry, she's not doing anything. It's just the two of you together for one day. People say, may the Lord bless this word. In the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And everybody said. Yeah. <laughs>